Amen. Hey, once again, we're in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. Sandy, number 14, I already told you the number. It's what? Rich Rafty, New Frankie. Not the southern version, just give us the English one. Yeah, get it for Sandy. That's right. I love teasing you there. Yeehaw. But uh, witchcraft and the rise of Wicca, as you can see with that nifty graphic there. Now, by way of recap, because that's what we do, recap. Man, you almost came out like Elmer Fudd. But anyway, that's right. Uh, we, we'd already take a look at the definition of witchcraft. And again, don't let anybody from Wicca tell you that that's not witchcraft because the actual word Wicca literally means witchcraft. Okay, we saw that. Different types of witchcraft, the location all over the world. We're certainly seeing that uh, the last several studies. Uh, protection from witchcraft. If you're not saved, what? You need to get saved through Jesus Christ, right? That's your best protection right there. Number two, even if you are a Christian, what do you do? In the name and the authority of Jesus Christ, you don't have to be afraid or anything. Then we've been dealing with the history of witchcraft, and we've been dealing with that the last couple of times. And basically what we've been seeing is there's nothing new under the sun. Witchcraft is not something new. It's not some new invention. It's not even from uh, uh, Western Europe and popped over here to America. It's been going on ever since the original rebellion at the Tower of Babel with Babylon. That's what we saw first. And just like the Bible records for us, where did it go next? It went to Egypt, as you can see with that nifty graphic there. And, uh, and then what we saw there is basically all the hieroglyphics, if you were here last week, the Egyptian writings on the walls, inside the pyramids, on the coffins, the papyri, they're what? The bulk of it is all witchcraft. It's spells and incantations and things of that nature. And then we saw witchcraft was everywhere in that society, okay? They followed hard on the heels of Babylon. We saw that they had the uh, Egyptian god Heka, which, which was the word for magic is where they got. Uh, they had Egyptian priests. Again, that's on side the tombs. These, these are spells and incantations. When you see that in the movies or whatever, that's basically witchcraft, okay? And then we saw they have magic not only in this life, but in the afterlife. We took a look at that, which led to the study on the book of the dead if you recall that uh, we took a look at that Egyptian so called healing priest they used witchcraft to supposedly cure eels they had an Egyptian scorpion charmer remember to even get rid of the bugs and the snakes and stuff of that nature Egyptian wood, midwives everybody was into witchcraft they used Egyptian amulets all kinds of things you carried around was supposed to protect you uh, including magic wands that they had Harry Potter nothing new with his techniques they've been doing that of course they had spells they had all kinds of curses we're going to see that again tonight with the Greeks and then gee whiz you wonder why God sent the 10 plagues okay is where we left off last time when God says let my people go he wasn't just saying let me go out of slavery it was what get my people out of witchcraft have nothing to do with that stuff and then we saw that every one of those plagues was an attack on every one of their false deities that they worship that was involved in the practices of witchcraft okay but according to the bibles we saw we did a little history lesson after the flood Okay, and we did a little trajectory there. According to the Bible, and shocker, just happens to agree with archaeological history, but we saw that the first society that arised after the flood was Babylon. Then we saw the second one was what? Egypt, and what was the third one? Greece. So guess what, folks? That's exactly where we're going to see witchcraft went next. And I'll tell you what, this was a mind blower for me because when we think of the Greeks, we think of the, the uh, philosophers, you know, Aristotle, and my son's favorite uh, philosopher, he played with them all growing up Plato all right that's hey you make this stuff funny right pray for me right but no, no and stuff of like that nature but but you don't believe it or not a lot of these guys even in philosophy and the mathematics and stuff that we get they were involved in witchcraft I didn't know that it's crazy okay we're gonna take a look at that but before we get into that let's once again remind ourselves why God doesn't like witchcraft whether it's in the past or in the future 
Beginning of the Bible, end of the Bible, God says, get away from witchcraft. That's our opening text, Revelation 22. Okay, if you want to turn there. Revelation 22, verse 12 through 15. The very last book of the Bible. In fact, if you find the very last book of the Bible and the very last page of the Bible, what do you do? Go to verse 12, right? And uh, we're going to read 12 through 15. Now, in my Bible, the letters are red, so what's that mean? They ran out of ink. No, they didn't run out of ink. That's the words of Jesus, right? For those of you wondering, right? Uh, but Revelation, if you find the dictionary, what do you do? Hang a left, right? You'll get there. If you find Genesis, what do you do? Close it and start all over. Flip it on the back. All right, stalled enough time. Revelation 22, last chapter, last book of the Bible. What does God save? All things for him to bring up as a final warning. Gee whiz, I wonder what it is. Here we go. Uh, verse 12, behold, Jesus speaking, I'm coming what? soon and my reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done I'm the alpha and the omega the first and the last the beginning and the end blessed are those who wash their robes obviously in him meaning get saved through Jesus right and then why because that's what they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city as we saw with the Egyptians, uh, they thought they needed witchcraft, not only in this life, uh, but in the afterlife. And you had to go through all these witch things and whatever, and somehow you could make it there and just lie and escape and have a beetle over your heart so nobody could tell your lie. You remember all that stuff? No, you just need to get saved through Jesus, right? And uh, you can get to go into the gates, into the city. Now, outside, right? What's he say? Of all things for him to mention, outside of the dogs, those who what? Practice magic arts or sorcery or witchcraft. It's pharmakos, which again, where we get pharmakeia, which means drugs, druggings, but involved in the occult. So the dogs, those who practice magic arts, witchcraft, sorcery, the sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Okay, as we can see there. But basically, I don't think it's by chance, right? We saw earlier that there's accounts early on in the scripture, certainly in the uh, first five books of the Bible. You got Deuteronomy, you got Leviticus. God's already telling after the flood, Babel, right? He said, get away from witchcraft. Don't have nothing to do with witchcraft. It's an abomination. So that's towards the beginning. Here we see, listen, the very last book of the Bible, the very last chapter of the Bible, the very last page of the Bible, one last time, almost like, I'm telling you, you better pay attention. Don't get involved in what? Witchcraft. Now, he, think about it. God could have listed a whole bunch of other sins, right? Because there's a ton of sins out there. But what happened to make the list? Witchcraft. Now, why? Because it's not just an abomination to God. He's displeased with it because it leads people straight to hell. You get involved in that. You don't get saved through Jesus Christ. You're not going to make it through the gates. You're not going to heaven. That's a serious issue. It's a satanic trap that God is warning again, stay away from. That's not how you live in this life, and it's not how you get to the next life. Okay? I like what one guy said this. Uh, he said, God is the God of miracles. Satan is a performer of magic. That's all he's got. Right? Magic, of course, meaning witchcraft and things of that nature. Satan does have power, as we saw before, but it's nothing compared to God. Compared to God's power, he's not just, not even a flea. Uh, he's, he's not even the, the hair on the back of the flea compared to God, okay? But he does have power. But his power is counterfeit. It's lies. And so basically all Satan's got to do is give a counterfeit type of power called witchcraft, the occult, magic, if you will, okay? But it's enough to what? Do people into thinking it's big power, okay, like God, but it's not. But it'll lead them astray, ultimately straight into hell. Okay, that's why God doesn't like it. That's what we see not only uh, today, but all throughout history. 
okay? And that includes not just Babylon, Egypt, but we're going to see tonight, once again, the Greek culture, okay? Greek witchcraft. Again, these guys, man, are steeped in this. It's crazy, okay? Now, usually when we think of the Greek culture, we don't think of witchcraft, okay? But we're going to see tonight they were steeped in it, okay? Usually we start thinking about the Greek gods, Right, we're going to see that in just a second here, uh, or then we stop to we'll think about the uh, stories of Greek mythology, right, and all these and the Titans and the giants and and all these battles and the and all those things of that nature. But we don't tend to think of the Greeks being involved in witchcraft, okay? But they are, okay? But let's de- let's deal first with their idea of the Greek gods, okay? At least the top ten, if you will. Let's take a look. For this list, we've chosen our entries based on a combination of a deity's power, popularity, and position in the Greek pantheon. Number 10. Artemis, Goddess of the Hunt The twin sister of Apollo, Artemis let her brother pluck the strings of the lyre. She was far more interested in plucking the strings of the bow. In addition to being Goddess of the Hunt, she was also a goddess of fertility and childbirth, a neat trick for someone known as a virgin goddess. Artemis was happiest away from Olympus when she could run around the forest hunting with her virgin nymphs. Works for us. Number 9. Hermes, God of Thieves and Travelers The messenger of the gods, Hermes was quite a trickster. As a baby, he enraged his big brother Apollo by sneakily stealing all his cattle. Fortunately, Hermes created the lyre for Apollo, which smoothed things over. Later, Hermes took the job of accompanying dead souls to the underworld, He was known for his distinctive style, usually sporting a winged cap and carrying a caduceus. You know, that stick with the wings and snakes wrapped around it. Number 8. Aphrodite, Goddess of Love Born out of the foam of the sea, Aphrodite was, to put it bluntly, a hottie. So hot that Zeus quickly married her off to his son Hephaestus to keep the rest of the gods from fighting over her. But this goddess of love much preferred her brother-in-law Ares, the god of war must have made for some interesting family dinners. Number seven, Ares, god of war. Danger excites you, and as you know, I am somewhat dangerous. It's a good thing Aphrodite liked Ares. Somebody had to. Now that's the important thing. With his mean streak and warlike disposition, the other Olympians tended to find him a little hard to handle. He usually hung out with some of the less sociable gods, like the gods of fear and terror and the goddess of discord. Proving that love is stronger than war, the child of Ares and Aphrodite is Harmonia, the goddess of harmony. Number 6. Apollo, god of music and light. The handsomest of the gods, Apollo kept his hand in everything. In addition to music and light, he's also associated with prophecy, medicine, plague, poetry, and a lot more. Busy guy. The Greeks held the Pythian Games every four years in Apollo's honor. These eventually became what we know as the Olympics. So, if you want your country to bring home the gold, a little sacrifice to Apollo may be in order. Number 5. Hera, Goddess of Marriage The queen of the Olympian gods, Hera was the goddess of marriage, but that didn't stop her husband Zeus from cheating on her every time she turned her back. Hera was vindictive and mercilessly punished the women Zeus dallied with, and their kids too. But she was revered by the Greeks, who honored her prominence in Olympus and her importance as a symbol of the family. You think it weak of me, my lord? Not weak. Almost human. Number 4. Hades, God of the Underworld The ruler of the dead, Hades is not one of your life-of-the-party gods. 
How are things in the underworld? Well, they're just fine. You know, a little dark, a little gloomy, and as always, hey, full of dead people. What are you going to do? Hey, if you spent most of your time in a dark, sunless realm with moaning souls as company, you'd brood too. Still, there were some cool things about being Hades. He had all the gold and silver he wanted, and this awesome helmet of invisibility. Take that, Harry Potter. Whoa, is my hair out? Number three, Athena, goddess of wisdom. Like Aphrodite, Athena had an unusual birth. When Zeus complained of a fierce headache, Hephaestus split his head open with an axe, and out popped Athena, goddess of wisdom. Now, that's how to make an entrance. Athena was the patroness of the city of Athens, to which she gave a most precious gift, the olive tree. Greek cuisine would have been much poorer without her. Number two, Poseidon, god of the sea. Much like the sea over which he was the god, Poseidon was one moody character. One day he's happily creating little islands in a smooth as glass sea, the next day it's all hurricanes and earthquakes. Poseidon was one dude you did not want to have as your enemy. After all, it wouldn't have taken Odysseus 10 years to get back from the Trojan War if he hadn't blinded Poseidon's son, and then bragged about it. Before we unveil our top pick, here are a few honorable mentions. Number 1. Zeus, God of the Sky Zeus, the king of the gods, was even more powerful than his brother Poseidon, and also someone you didn't want to get in a snit. He had a tendency to hurl thunderbolts. <laughs> Zeus ruled over Olympus with a firm hand and loved his wife Hera, but couldn't seem to keep things in his toga. The number of illegitimate children he fathered is titanic. Fortunately, his kids treated him better than Zeus did his own father. After overthrowing him, Zeus had him castrated. Boy, what a bunch of great gods. <laughs> yeah, and again, that's just a quick overview. I don't want, you could spend weeks on doing a study on these guys. But, uh, but of course, this is a bunch of baloney. What's sad is, again, folks, we're not talking Greece wasn't founded that long after, okay, Genesis 11 and, and the Tower of Babel incident, which wasn't that long after the flood. And you've already denigrated into this? It's crazy, okay? But again, this whole idea of a bunch of deities is a bunch of baloney as we've dealt with before. First of all, multiple gods. It's not just unbiblical, it's illogical, okay? Think about that. Because God, by definition, even a secular definition, is he's supreme. Now, what makes him supreme? Nobody else like him. There is no other God, right? Well, how could they be God supreme if there's other gods, it, it's illogical, okay? Of course, it's unbiblical. I'll get to that in a second. Plus, the Bible says that God is eternal. He can't die. And what are these things doing? They're killing each other, doing all kinds of weird stuff, eating each other, whatever. Uh, plus, the Bible says that God is holy. He doesn't do anything wrong. He sinned. What are these guys? They're just as sinful as man. Why? Because they're man-made versions of God. They're not real gods, okay? Uh, plus, the Bible's very clear. There is only one God, period. Uh, Deuteronomy 4.35, you were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Beside him, there is no other. Deuteronomy 4.39, acknowledge and take heart to this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth below. There is no other. 1 Kings 8.60, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. Other. Isaiah pipes in 44 8 did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago you are my witness is there any God besides me no there is no other
the rock, I know not one. And Isaiah 45, 5, I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. But unfortunately, even after the flood and the Tower of Babel, Babylon didn't want to listen to this. Egypt didn't want to listen to this. And we're going to see tonight, uh, shocker, uh, the Greeks didn't want to listen to this, okay? And it isn't just that they got involved in polytheism, we'll get to that in a second, but they got heavy duty involved into witchcraft uh, as well. But religion for the Greeks was, was everywhere, just like we saw with Babylon and Egypt, okay? If you're not gonna worship God, you're gonna what? You're gonna worship something, okay? In fact, Ecclesiastes, Solomon, uh, tells us that God has set eternity in our hearts that we might fathom, we just don't know. And so uh, why is it, which is an argument for the existence of God, why is it that every culture on the planet innately wants to worship something higher above themselves? Where'd that come from? Well, it came from God, right? And uh, so that we could seek him out. But again, unfortunately, uh, Satan leads people down the wrong path. Uh, the, the Greeks had different uh, cities and tribes. They worshiped uh, uh, a whole bunch of different gods. Uh, it was just kind of a hodgepodge is what it, what it was. Again, it was polytheistic. What's poly mean? Many theistic, many gods is basically what that means. And, and, but by about the uh, 6th century B.C., they narrowed it down. There's just a hodgepodge. Come one, come all. They narrowed it down to what was called the pantheon. What's that mean? That means all and basically gods. Okay, pan uh, meaning all. They narrowed it down to the pantheon. Now the pantheon, okay, was made up of the 12 uh, Olympians, right? The 12 big guns, right? They're still polytheistic. They're still worshiping a bunch of them, but they went from just about everything to basically uh, the, the 12 Olympians, okay? Now this whole idea of a pantheon uh, that you got multiple gods is something that we're seeing a resurgence today. Okay, uh, as you can see here, uh, there is a pantheon mentality being pushed uh, across the world uh, with the false, pro- I mean, the uh, Pope and uh, uh, whoever. And, uh, but what it, you, it's a pantheon, it's a Greek mindset. It's come one, come all. Let's all just worship together. We just need to have a, have a, a center place of worship. And guess where that is to be? Uh, Vatican, right? They also want to build a universal worship center in Jerusalem. That's why they got their feet and nose and everything involved in what's going on with Israel as well. But again, we're seeing a resurgence of that polyistic pantheon attitude today. But when we think of the pantheon, we think of usually this structure, okay? This was called the Pantheon of Rome. Uh, It was built between 27 BC through 14 AD, and it was dedicated to, quote, all gods. And again, that's what the word pantheon means, all gods, okay? And it was basically all your religions come, come together. It's called syncretism is also the word that's used today. In uh, multicultural Rome, a lot of those words are being used today, even in our own country. But listen to this. This is what I found interesting. The building, the pantheon, watch this. It was later renovated and used as a Catholic church in 609 under Pope Boniface IV. So again, it means multiple gods. It's a center for, to worship many different gods, and you wonder why, of all entities, they're involved in that behavior again today. Again, a pantheon-type attitude, all right? But let's get back to those 12 Olympians. Again, as we saw with the video, I'm not gonna read them all, but <clears throat> Zeus, Hera, Poseidon, you know, Demeter, and all those, those were the big guns. And supposedly, uh, they had headquarters on this thing, uh, Mount Olympus. So an actual mountain over there. And of course, that's the exciting uh, Photoshop version. Uh, here's the more uh, glamorized version that somehow they were up there at that top of that mountain. And that's where they, they all gathered together and did their evil, sinful, right behavior. 
Yeah, not much for God. Now, as we're gonna see, Lord willing, in our next study, because basically what we're gonna see is, is from Greece, where are we gonna go next? We're gonna go to the Romans. Now, the Romans were heavy duty, obviously involved in witchcraft as well. Why? Because after the Greek culture, who came in that area? Who took over? The Romans, okay? And they borrowed a ton from the Greeks, including their gods, okay? All Rome did was change their names. And we might get into this a little bit next time, but let me give you a little teaser. Zeus basically became Jupiter. Same, exact same God, little g, obviously, uh, but called Jupiter. Uh, Hera became Juno. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay, that's the best I can do. All right. Hey, listen, I worked all week on this, Debbie. So... <laughs> Uh, Poseidon became Neptune Demeter became Ceres Athena became Minerva Apollo stayed Apollo uh, Artemis became Diana Ares became Mars Aphrodite became Venus uh, Hephaestus the, the guy that's supposed to invent fire he became Vulcan which obviously is where Spock got his cool technique there uh, Hermes became Mercury Hestia became Vesta and Dionysius became Bacchus now why is that important because you go from the Greek Empire to the Roman Empire who was in power when the church was born the Roman Empire so guess what these temples were still in existence that the church was getting saved from okay and so when you understand what was going on in these temples it kind of helps to explain some of the sins and the things that the church was still struggling with and dealing with including the church of Corinth Corinth had a and that's all that's left of it today this is a, a to Poseidon okay had a temple there and again if you read in uh, first and second uh, Californians I mean first and second Corinthians uh, you see that man that church was messed up you know but before you cop on him, praise God, it just tells you how wide and deep and wonderful his love and grace and mercy is. Okay, but that church had a lot of problems. Okay, and Paul had to address them. That's why we got not one, but two books. Okay, things of that nature. But they had a, a temple of Poseidon that was there uh, in uh, Corinth. They also had a temple of Apollo was there in Corinth, and that's what we got left today. Also in Ephesus. Ephesus had what was considered one of the seven wonders of the world, a massive temple, and that was this one, the Temple of Artemis. In fact, it was here at this actual location that Acts 19 records that Paul caused a citywide ruckus, and the people began to riot. But they knew how to put riots down back in their day. Now, open your Bibles to Acts 19 real quick. Okay, let's take a look at that. Acts chapter 19, verse 17 through 41. Kind of a long passage, but you need to real, uh, deal with it because we're gonna see not only the temple of Artemis <clears throat> that you just saw the nifty photo of right there, okay? But you're gonna see that guess what was also involved in that temple? Witchcraft, right? And we see that uh, once again in Acts chapter 19. And uh, let's, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts 19, starting with verse 17, right? And uh, let's take a look at this. When you get there, say moo. That's a good enough consensus for me. Let's take a look. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks, again, this is Ephesus, uh, the Jews and the who? Greeks, right? Living in where? Ephesus. They were all seized with fear in the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Now, many of those who believed, they got saved, they what? They now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. And listen, a number who practiced what? Witchcraft, sorcery, right? Uh, Brought their scrolls and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachma. Now remember, a drachma was one day's wages. That's 50,000 days wages. That's a lot of money. Millions of dollars, right? Chucked them into fire. Now in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. That also tells you how much money they had to pay for these things. And the scrolls, what do you think the scrolls were? 
spells, incantations, and we're going to see actually some of those, Lord willing, tonight. Now, in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. After this happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, uh, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. Uh, After I've been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. But about that time, there arose a disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who was made silver shrines at where? Artemis. Again, that's the picture right there uh, that the Bible talks about. Brought in no little business for the craftsmen. So this is a money-making scheme that's going on here, right? So he called them together along with the workmen and related trades and said, Men, you know how we received a good income from this business. And you see how this fellow Paul is convinced and led astray numbers of people here in Ephesus and and practically the whole province of Asia. He says that man-made gods are no gods at all. Yeah, that's right. Must have been reading the Bible. What a concept. Okay. And uh, so then he says, there's no danger. There's uh, danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself who is worshipped throughout a province of Asia and the world will be robbed of her divine majesty. So when they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus and Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. They, they rushed as one man into the theater. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let them. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent a messenger begging him, don't go into that theater. The assembly was in what? Confusion. They were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people didn't even know why they were there. Boy, does that sound like today or what? <laughs> the riots. <laughs> uh, the Jews pushed Alexander to the front. Some of the crowd shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense for, before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they shouted in unison for, listen, two hours. This is what's going on in this structure. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians for two hours. These guys went nuts, right? So the city clerk quieted the crowd. Men of Ephesus, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image who fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to be quiet and not to do anything rash. You have brought these men here, uh, though they have uh, neither robbed temples nor blasphemed the goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. They can press charges. If there's anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in the legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of today's events. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion since there's no reason for it after that he said this he dismissed the assembly in other words they knew how to deal with riots okay they didn't build their own community called chad or Chaz or whatever that was and take up residence okay they dealt with it effectively but here's my point in bringing that up artemis okay they're in ephesus and again the church was still dealing with this kind of worship that the romans got from the greeks that just changed the name she was supposed to be the goddess of hunting and wilderness, the protector of uh, unmarried girls. Uh, she was also considered, again, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Now, she was also called, listen, the queen of heaven and emphasizing her fertility, protection, and childbearing. Sound familiar? It's exactly what the Catholics have also done with Mary. They called her the queen of heaven. You wonder where they get that from. First, you take over the pantheon, all gods, and you push that mindset today. And then now with Artemis worship, the queen of heaven, you turn Mary basically into that uh, as well. Okay, but I don't want to bring that up just for that. Uh, Also, what was mentioned in the book of Acts, before they talk about the uh, temple of Artemis, okay, in Ephesus, what was the context? These people weren't just getting saved and walking away from Artemis. They were walking away from what? Witchcraft. 
So witchcraft was heavily involved also in all this temple worship, and we're going to find out why in just a second. Okay, now, uh, back to the supposed gods and whatever. If you don't think that there was witchcraft permeating the Greek culture, let's go back to that. Okay, they actually had uh, a goddess, if you will, uh, of witchcraft, Hecate, okay, and she was literally the goddess of witchcraft. In fact, some reports would say that she's the most ancient one of all, Okay, possibly coming as an influence from Egypt, which again would fit the biblical account. But let's take a look at their goddess of witchcraft. Hecate was the goddess of magic, lady of witches and sorcerers. She is the daughter of the Titan Persis, god of destruction, and Titaness Asteria. So Hecate, also a Titaness, she was a very powerful goddess and exercised her power in heaven, earth, and in the underworld. However, during the War of Titans, she became an ally of Zeus, and for this, she kept her powers and escaped from the prison in Tartarus. Even though she is a rather worshipped deity in ancient Greece, the goddess was a friend of goddess Demeter, and helped her to find her daughter Persephone, who had been kidnapped by Hades, making use of her torches during nighttime searches. After having found Persephone, Hecate started to have the underworld as her dwell. The goddess is also cited as one of the participants of the clash between gods and giants known as the Gigantomachy, in which she fought alongside the gods of Olympus and was accountable for exterminating the giant Cletus. The goddess of magic is also the mother of one of the most famous witches of Greek mythology. Her name is Circe, and her encounter with the hero Ulysses has been immortalized in Odyssey. Hecate was also the goddess of the crossroads, the place where her offerings were made. And so, the goddess guided her worshippers throughout the best paths. She is then considered to be the protector of travelers. Hecate is often represented by three bodies or three heads because she was regarded as a threefold goddess that had traits of a young, mother, and ancient woman. The goddess was also a deity connected to births and deaths. Since Hecate is a goddess that rules passages, which are symbolized by doors, the keys are a symbol of Hecate. The records of the goddess's worship are extremely old, considering that Hecate is a really ancient goddess of Asian origin, and her worship was also present in ancient Greece, long before the arrival of worship of the Olympic gods. The worship of the goddess of magic remains alive today being performed mainly by people who have been initiated in the arts of magic and sorcery. And if, during these rituals, dog barking is heard, then Hecate is around. Actually, that would be a demon, uh, but that's uh, the, the legend. But basically, what is she? She's a goddess of witchcraft. Okay, and again, as you heard, it might very well be one of the oldest ones that came on the scene uh, before all the other supposed gods came on. But you saw it's still being used today. Nothing new under the sun modern so-called modern witchcraft uh, what's also called neo-paganism new paganism which is basically a revival of old paganism okay all that we're seeing are massive resurgence today okay but basically uh, it's basically come straight out of here straight from the, the Greeks who most likely got it from the Egyptians okay uh, in fact in Wicca today uh, Hecate uh, is considered the triple goddess kind of a version of the, the crone again no family relation okay and uh, so, so even this ancient worship of the goddess of witchcraft from Greek is still being practiced today. Nothing new 
under the sun. But again, she's often, as you saw, uh, shown uh, holding a pair of torches or a key uh, associated with crossroads. Again, supposed to be symbolized that she's the, you know, between the the world, between one world and the next, and you got to go through her to get to that. And of course, that would be the demonic realm and things of that nature. She's associated with magic, witchcraft, herbs, poisonous plants, necromancy, and sorcery. Okay, again, this was one of their supposed gods. Okay, now again, some would say that uh, uh, she came from Egypt as a result of this one, not too different in spelling. This is the Egyptian uh, uh, goddess uh, Hecate. Okay, I believe uh, Hecate originally also had a frog head, if I recall right. Uh, But people say that's where Hecate came from, was Hecate from Egypt and they just again like the Romans changed the Greeks names they just changed the Egyptian a little bit and and that's where it came from but again she was associated with uh, borders walls doorways crossroads uh, realms between the two worlds Uh, the worship of her she was considered a household deity right so if you want a protection in your household your family whatever you needed to worship Hecate and again we're talking witchcraft now when you would build a shrine to Hecate for so-called protection in your home they called in the Hecateion okay it was made out of wood stone carving as you can see here again the witchcraft still uses it today and uh, larger ones were enclosed in small walled areas so you kind of make this enclave and then you would put Hecate in there as well so you'd have a little shrine uh, so Hecate could protect your home and your family and things of that nature and then sometimes you would put them in an enclave now does anybody know where I'm going with that you're starting to see a pattern here they do the same thing with Catholics with Mary they put Mary in a bathtub as you can see there and uh Three of you get that later. And then Mary statues all over because she's supposed to protect you and your family, etc. blah, blah, blah. And again, you might start to see a pattern. Once you learn history, including with the occult, you're going to see where a lot of practices come today that, by the way, are unbiblical, including the practices of Catholicism. Okay. Uh, she was worshipped. Now, here's where I'm going. Why did I bring up that Ephesians passage uh, uh, in, in the book of Acts? Okay. Uh, oh, that's the other thing. Uh, guess what they also did with Hecate? food offerings and what do you see what people do today with Mary food offering the exact same thing again folks nothing is new under the sun okay that's what they used to do uh, back in that day but what I want to bring that up is listen to this Hecate was not just worship in her own sanctuary she was not only a household deity bring her into your home and all that stuff make, her, make your own shrine to her but listen she was also given her own space in other temples she was that important she was that prevalent Okay, in fact, there was an area sacred to Hecate, guess where? In the temple of Artemis at Ephesus. So in that temple we saw before, a large chunk inside of that temple was the goddess of witchcraft. Now, no wonder in the passage of Acts 19, you not only see the guys freaking out over the temple of Artemis because people are getting saved, but before that, what were they getting saved out of? From that temple, witchcraft, Hecate. She had a place in that temple. So you learn something new every day. Now, there were also other uh, Greek uh, witch entities out there. And I'm not making any of these up, especially this first one. You might think I am. I'm not. Okay. Uh, the first one was called Mormo. Okay, Mormo. In fact, the actual spelling is Mormon. Now, if you guys recall, because I know you got all these studies memorized, in our 10-week study on Mormonism, right, we saw that Joseph Smith was a liar, a con artist, also involved in witchcraft and his whole family and he was a plagiarist 
and this so-called Book of Mormon that supposedly came from God, he was a liar. He copied it from a whole bunch of other books and just, it was a mishmash. He just did the including the name Mormon. Mormon comes from this. Mormon, okay, was a female spirit in Greek folklore and it was used as a bogeyman, okay, to scare kids. And I quote, to invoke mothers, it was invoked by mothers and nurses to frighten children to keep them from misbehaving. In fact, the plural form is Mormons, okay, which means fearful ones, hideous ones, and is related to an array of words that signify fright. So today's uh, uh, modern version will be right here, right? Because that'll freak you out, man. You talk about, oh, don't let the Mormons get you, right? I tell you what, <laughs> isn't this crazy? Guy's a con artist, man. That's where they get their name straight out of Greek witchcraft, man. It's, it's nothing, okay? But the name Mormo was used by the Greeks as a bugbear or boogeyman to frighten children, right? So again, kids, don't let the Mormos get you, as you can see. Now, another one that they had was called Jello. Now, not to be confused with that gelatinous dessert. I know you're thinking that, where your grandma used to put those uh, wood shavings, I mean, carrot shavings in there, right? Uh, with Cool Whip, and she would also throw in those grapes, that were actually see-through from like a thousand years ago. Remember that, growing up with that? Okay, that's not what we're talking about, although maybe that is a witchcraft uh, dessert, I don't know. Uh, but Jello uh, was another female demon back in Greek that uh, would be used to freak people out. Uh, she supposedly was causing infertility, miscarriage, and infant mortality. Uh, ladies who were believed to be possessed by Jello would stand trial or would have to go through exorcism. And they're thinking, well, where'd they get that one from? They say that it possibly derives from Galu, uh, which was used by the Babylonians. Again, you're seeing a direct connection. Goes from Babylon to Egypt to Greece, and that's where, and that, again, that agrees exactly with the biblical account, shucker, okay? It's also the derivative of where we get this word today, ghoul, okay? Comes from uh, this entity when you do the word study. Uh, but anyway, so that's, that's, that's uh, that one uh, as well. Now, the next one that you see uh, is called, uh, oh, before we get there, this was crazy. I had to check this out. I'm like, oh, come on, that's too convenient, right? But this jello uh, entity uh, was supposed to be a young woman Okay, and she came from the Isle of Lesbos. And that is, is, I checked it out, that is exactly where we get the word lesbian from. It comes from this island that this Greek witch character Jello came from. Okay, and then if you know anything about witchcraft today, is it any shocker that lesbianism is also rampant in that culture today. Young girls are targeted by modern Wicca and things of that nature, and uh, it comes straight out of witchcraft. Learn something new every day. Throw away those granola bars. You'll never get this on the back there, Debbie. I'll tell you what. The next one's Lamia. Okay, this was supposed to be a child-eating monster, and uh, again, it was used as a, another, like a boogeyman term. This would be a boogie woman term, I guess, uh, to discipline children, to frighten them. You better know that Lamia's gonna get you. If it ain't those Mormos knocking at your door, uh, it's going to be Lamia, right? And, uh, but she was described, as you can see, there were serpentine qualities, half woman, half snake, and things of that nature. And this lady, okay, this entity in Greek, you did not want to take her out for lunch. I mean, whoo-wee, I'll tell you what. Uh, this was Impusa. She was supposed to be a shape-shifting uh, thing and uh, supposedly had a single leg of copper. Don't know why. Got attacked by pirates. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, she was uh, commanded by Hecate, 
okay? And she was supposed to seduce and feed on young men. Supposedly had shape-shifting abilities, could turn into animals and things of that nature. Okay, but again, this is just giving an idea where they had a goddess of uh, witchcraft, okay? Uh, they got different uh, witchcraft entities they used in their cults they're familiar with, they scared their kids with. Uh, as we saw in Acts 19, people got saved out of the witchcraft from the, the Greek uh, temples and things of that nature. But I'm telling you, it was all over their society, including, we don't think about this, Greek philosophy and Greek mathematics, Okay, let me give you just two examples. These guys were heavy duty into witchcraft. And it makes you start to wonder, should we listen to what their so-called philosophies are, right? The first one is this guy, Pythagoras. And he goes, Pythagoras, wait a second. Isn't that the guy where we got this thing from? The Pythagorean theorem? Yes, it is, Reed. Thank you for asking. Works well with my pictorial study here. Uh, And for those of you hooked on math, remember that is the area of the square whose side is a hypotenuse which is the side opposite of the right angle and is equal to the sum of the area of the squares on the other two sides. So if you didn't like trying to memorize that growing up in math, blame it on this guy who was involved in witchcraft. Okay, there's your math excuse uh, for you. But Pythagoras, this guy here, quote, he had, quote, magical powers, uh, witchcraft, and that's how he did his math and other stuff. And this was recorded by Aristotle. Okay, now listen to the things that this guy supposedly had power to do because he was involved in the occult and witchcraft. And I quote, and this is from Aristotle. He was able, Pythagoras was being seen at the same hour in two cities. A white eagle permitted him to stroke it. A river greeted him with the words, Hail Pythagoras. He predicted that a dead man would be found on a ship entering the harbor, which I thought, that's no big deal. They always serve chicken on ships. (laughs) Woo. Let's move on. Uh, He predicted the appearance of a white bear. He supposedly bit a venomous snake to death, probably after eating the chicken. (laughs) Okay. Uh, uh, And then the stories uh, of Pythagoras says he had ability to control animals, to transcend space and time, and showing that he was, quote, touched by the gods. No, he was involved in witchcraft. But see, we don't think about these philosophers being involved in this, and they were. Let me give you one more, and we'll move on. Uh, Empedocles... Uh, this guy here, he was a combination poet, teacher, scientist, and magi, or magus, uh, involved in witchcraft. Uh, he uh, was uh, familiar and got uh, influenced by Pythagoras, so he learned the tools, the trade, I guess, through him, but he was heavily involved uh, in that as well. Now, what's interesting about this guy is there's a couple things that we get from him uh, still to this day. Supposedly, he had miraculous powers, including uh, the destruction of evil. He could supposedly cure old age. He could supposedly control the wind and the rain. And he even went to the Far East to learn more about this witchcraft stuff. But what we get from him is what's called the four elements, okay? Came from this guy, Empedocles. And uh, that the structures of the world are made up of these four elements, fire, air, water, and earth. Now, if you know anything about witchcraft, guess what? That's exactly uh, what they also rely upon is those four elements today, okay? But again, this came from this Greek guy. We think, oh, a great philosopher. No, he's involved in witchcraft, okay, as well. Now, Empedocles uh, was also a vegetarian. And guess what's another big thing in witchcraft, Wicca as well? Is, is, is the, the vegan, uh, vegan movement, not only lesbianism, but vegetarianism. And he believed that the bodies of animals are the dwelling places of punished souls. So obviously you don't want to eat them. That would kind of ruin your meal. Okay, but again, again, you, you think there's it's something new that, well, it's just a new, they're concerned about the environment and saving the animals. No, this is old-fashioned witchcraft as far back as the Greeks. 
okay? Uh, and it came from this guy uh, when you do this study there. But who believed in magic in Greek? Everybody did. It was permeated just like Babylon, just like Egypt, their whole society, okay? Uh, it didn't matter who they were. In fact, whole cities would have witchcraft to, to, to perform to, uh, to protect their cities. In fact, they find today a ton of, just like in Babylon, we saw in the cuneiform tablets. We also saw in Egypt with the pyramids and the scrolls. They find evidence of witchcraft all over the place. And what they do is they, they've cataloged them together. They call it the Greek magical papyri. And this is a, a giant catalog that they've discovered from the Greek culture. And it's all witchcraft, magic spells, formula, hymns, rituals. And they believe that all these fragments that they've got are all part of what used to be a larger collection of, quote, magical books. Okay, but the reason why, and this is, listen, this is secular history. The reason why they only have fragments is because of book burnings, including, they mention, as mentioned in the book of Acts, the book of Acts 1919. Interesting. So, pretty interesting when you learn your history. But, uh, but they still find some. So maybe some people went through the trash and got the scraps out or obviously not everybody got saved. So things of that nature. But on these things, man, they're, they're extracts from book spells uh, and they had two different categories, spells and magical writings. Uh, and and there, some of them were even manuals for traveling magicians. I mean, they were just flooded with witchcraft in this society. Uh, the pages contain spells, recipes, formulas, prayers, interspersed with magic words, often in shorthand. Uh, they were used to summon demons to offer folk remedies, fatal curses, love charms, uh, cures for impetus, uh, impotence or other medical ailments and things of that nature. And, quote, many of these formulaic words and phrases are, quote, strikingly similar to those found in Egypt. Again, we're following the thread, the historical trail, and the biblical trail. Once again, God gets it spot on, okay? But throughout these things, they also find figurines, right? Now, we already dealt with that before, but who's also big on figurines for protection? So we see our Catholic Church again. You're seeing that same pattern there, okay? Also, what they find is they find uh, these little uh, voodoo dolls and things. I'll get to that in a second, that they're saying, oh, this is where uh, uh, the Haitians got voodoo. Again, nothing new under the sun. But as we get ready to close, let's just break down real quick just the different categories of witchcraft that they find. Of course, they find spells, okay? A lot of the spells that they find, including curses, I'll get to that in a second, were written on lead tablets, okay? So this usually lasts a little bit better than uh, paper and stuff, so they still find them today. And uh, they would use them for everything. I'm just gonna rip through these uh, real quick. Uh, Women used to do them on their, quote, husband's, uh, uh, to make them do what they wanted them to do. Uh, they have protection spells and uh, they had a restraining spell. Uh, they had spells to restrain anger uh, and, and then also spells against protection from every wild animal, aquatic uh, creatures, and even robbers, okay? They had, and I'll read you this one. I'm not gonna read the whole thing I'm just not going to do it. Okay, Uh, but I'll give you a little piece. It's called the invisibility spell. Now, if you want to be invisible, walk around, be invisible. This is what they said you need to do. And I quote, take fat or an eye of a night owl and a ball of dung rolled by a beetle and oil of an unripe olive and grind them together until smooth and smear over your whole body and moisten it and say, make me invisible, Lord Helios, in the presence of any man until sunset. 
And the reason why it worked, because you stunk and nobody wanted to be around you. No, you said it was a crazy. Can you believe that? But uh, they had uh, spells so that you have a positive dream or a so-called uh, revelation. They also had self-improvement spells. Quote, they had memory spells. And you know what that one was? I don't remember. I, I, I didn't even have to share that. Okay, you, you knew where I was going with that. Uh, they had a spell for strength. Uh, that was kind of, yeah, two times you had to say, give me strength, give me strength, for I am Abraxa. Now, as we saw before, Abraxa was the Greek form of the magical word called abracadabra, okay? Uh, and then you had to do that, say it seven times while holding your two thumbs. They had spells for getting favor. They had business uh, spells, uh, so they have better business. They had spells for assertiveness, right? Maybe you're too lazy, right? They had so-called healing spells, spells for cough, spells for migraine, spells for scorpionsy. They even had spells for contraceptive uh, th- things of that nature. Uh, are you getting an idea that these guys, it isn't just, you kind of think, oh, they're wearing togas and what a, an amazing, wise society. No, folks, these guys were steeped in witchcraft. Everybody in this culture, just like Babylon, Egypt, was involved in witchcraft. They had spells. So how do you pick a right plant? Contain herbs and all that stuff. So that's spells. The other thing, too, of course, they were involved in potions and drugs and things of that nature. And one of their big ones, of course, they worship Bacchus. Okay, Dionysus. The Romans termed it to Bacchus, but the goddess of or god of what? Wine, right? Because when you drink a lot of wine, it's a drug. Right, and you can do some goofy things. And so they would use that. That was one of their big mainstays. Alcohol in the occult is still huge because you drink enough of it and you're going to get into an altered state. You're going to be opened up to uh, something you don't want to. But they would mix it uh, with different uh, uh, ingredients and things. It's supposed to be potions and, and all kinds of concoctions and, and things of that nature. Uh, and, and then, as I said, they even did uh, voodoo dolls. Now, this is an actual one that they actually found. And this is a small effigy of a woman that was found kneeling with her feet together and her arms tied behind her back. And they find a lot of these things. They're actually called colossoi, okay? And they find them all over the place. So they're even doing voodoo in Greek, right? And, uh, but she was pierced with 13 pins, one on the top of her head, one in her mouth, one in each eye, one in her ear, one in each of the, uh, of the solar plexus, other areas of her body, soles of her feet, palms of her hand. Uh, it was wrapped in, uh, in an inscribed table and sealed in a pit. Somebody did not like them, this woman, right? No, actually, believe it or not, you're thinking, well, that's going to get them to, to hurt them. Listen to what this was for. And they found the instructions, all this stuff with this one. The doll was commissioned by a man who wanted this woman to uh, be with him and the text read this lead uh, Ptolemasi the daughter of Horigens uh, to me prevent her from eating and drinking until she comes to me do not allow her to experience have experience with another man except me alone listen drag her by her hair by her guts until she does not stand aloof from me now, they didn't have dating services back then, as you can tell. And, uh, but can you believe that? It's crazy. That's how pervasive it was. But oh yeah, they had these things called, of course, charms, talismans. We saw that before and all the other ones. Okay. Uh, but uh, these guys would do, they make them into rings. 
uh, and supposedly like people hear you know mood ring and and uh, good luck rings and all this stuff this is where it came from uh, and based on the different uh, what the ring was made out the different gemstone or whatever was supposed to do certain things uh, dendrite was supposed to lead to love or success in the world sapphire was supposed to result in victory uh, uh, including lawsuits against you uh, other ones would uh, be effective around leaders when placed within a gold ring in fact listen to this here's, here's what they believe the Greek cultures, this is how you moved up the corporate ladder. You used these things, these charms, these amulets, right? And uh, you, would, you would have to wear a magical, if you were on the lower rung, you wore a magical stone set in a ring. And this was supposed to increase your goodwill and help you build favorable relationships within the hierarchy to move up the ladder. And I quote, a little ring for success and for charm for victory. For when you have it with you, you will always get whatever you ask from anybody. Wearing it, whatever you may say to anyone, you will be believed and you'll be pleasing to everybody. So you had to get up there. And again, as I said before, real quick, curses. They, they curse anything and everything you could possibly think of. I mean, these guys were vindictive, right? It, this was a huge money-making thing. Okay, L- let me demonstrate that. Okay, uh, but in fact, there were so many curses that certain cities would outlaw them. That was against the law. You can't, you got to stop that. But listen to all the different things that they would do. Uh, they would curse everything you can think of. Uh, uh, but here's what they do. They would, they would uh, inscribe the victim's name and a formula on a lead tablet like you can see there. They would fold it up. They would pierce it with a nail and then deposit it in a grave or a well or a fountain where they believe was closer to the realm of the spirits so that it would activate the spirits to go get them, right? But they did this on everything, okay? But they did, on sporting competitions, you know, if you want the Cowboys to lose, I'll tell you what. Right? But uh, we won't go there. They just signed that with Dak Prescott, but we'll move on. Uh, sporting competitions, legal contests, they were purchased by shop owners, potters, tavern owners against their rivals, you want somebody else's business, your competitor, uh, to go down. Uh, legal opponents, they even direct them at politicians. Uh, and they said that they found some cursed tablets uh, that the spelling and grammar had full of mistakes. They said, quote, those must have been the amateurs. Everybody was whooping up these things. In fact, they actually had professional sorcerers. This is how they made a living. You know, back in the day, you go around, you sell shoes or dishes or, or book encyclopedias kids looked that up on the internet and encyclopedia was this old-fashioned way to store knowledge okay uh but professional sorcerers and i quote they would go to the door they would knock on the doors of the wealthy this is the greek society and persuade them that if quote anyone wants to harm an enemy whether the enemy is just or an unjust man these guys for a very little expense could whip up a curse just for you so they literally sold these things door to door. Of course, again, they got into amulets. This is an actual gold one. Farmers were big with amulets. They would wear them around their neck and rings and things of that nature because that was supposed to increase the rain, help their crops grow. Uh, they were basically talismans for good luck. There were other ones that were supposed to protect you. They're made from just about everything you could possibly think of from wood, stone, bone, uh, gemstones, and things of that nature. Uh, in fact, they would also use for protection. Uh, we saw before with the evil eye, and but they would also in Greek they would wear this thing. This is called the cornicella horn. Okay, uh, you might even see these in some jewelry shops today. Okay, this is where it came from. This is the amulet. Okay, that was supposed to uh, protect you back in ancient Greek. And you're thinking, well, where'd that come from? Well, cornicello is linked back to Greek mythology and the term cornucopia. Cornucopia is the symbol of fertility. 
and uh, Zeus supposedly broke a horn from a goat and filled it with fruit and flowers and gave it to the caretaker. So as you can see, the basket shaped in like a horn, but that's all where that came from. But again, these guys were doing this and these amulets for everything you could possibly think of, attract a lover, protect you and and curse people and do all kinds of stuff. It was everywhere. In fact, so much so that Plato wanted to punish those who sold spells and cursed tablets and other philosophers uh, wanted to eradicate it. That tells you how much it permeated their society. They weren't just a bunch of mathematicians wearing togas and trying to think high thoughts. Okay, they were involved in witchcraft. Now, for those of you in closing thinking, good thing we don't have to put up with that baloney, worshiping these gods that did crazy stuff, were worse than men and whatever. Believe it or not, that's the term that I mentioned earlier, neo, okay, paganism. And we're seeing a revival of witchcraft and neo-paganism. Basically, this pagan worship, including the Greek gods, is making a comeback. And I quote, listen to this stat, okay? Uh, It's estimated uh, from the Greek population that there's at least 100,000 followers of people right now when they gather together has nothing to do with Christianity, nothing. They're literally worshiping the Greek gods. In fact, here they are in action real quick. You know, the Greek gods are the best gods because all they do is bang and beat each other up. Our Greek offices went to find the people who still worship these awesome deities. Μερικοί τους λένε παγανιστές και ειδωλολάτρες, άλλοι δωδεκαθεϊστές. Για μένα ήταν πάρα πολύ σημαντικό το γεγονός ότι ύστερα από 2.000 χρόνια περίπου, μπορεί και λιγότερο, ακούστηκε σε εκεί καταφέρει ο ύμος του Ποσειδώνα. Είναι Σάββατο βράδυ και δεν έχουμε βγει για ποτό. Έχουμε έρθει στο στέκι του ύπο του Συμβουλίου των Ελλήνων Εθνικών για να γνωρίσουμε μερικούς πολύ θρήσκους ανθρώπους οι οποίοι όμως δεν πιστεύουν σε Χριστούς και σε Παναγίες. Αυτό είναι ένα μόνο από τα δεκάδες σωματεία δωδεκαθεϊστών που υπάρχουν στη χώρα. Είναι ίσως το πιο γνωστό και πιο παλιό. Θα καταπιαστούμε με τις αρετές της σταθερότητας και της κοσμιότητας. Σε τι πιστεύετε? Πιστεύουμε σε αυτό ακριβώς που πιστεύαν διαχρονικά οι Έλληνες μέσα στην ιστορία προτού έρθει ο χριστιανισμός. Δηλαδή αυτό που πίστευε ακριβώς ο Περικλής, ο Λεωνίδας, ο Θεμιστοκλής, η φιλοσοφία μας. Και ποιες είναι οι βασικές αρχές αυτής της πίστης. Εμείς δεν είμαστε μονοθεϊστές, δεν πιστεύουμε σε έναν Θεό, αλλά σε πολλούς. Όπως ο Δίας για παράδειγμα, η Αθηνά. Ναι, είναι μια... Εθνική θρησκεία έχει να κάνει άμεσα με το έθνο των Ελλήνων, δηλαδή το διαμόρφωσαν αυτοί που λεγόταν Έλληνε. Και για πες, για ποια είναι η διαδικασία. Στήσαμε τον βωμό, μετά από λίγο θα ντυθούμε και θα ξεκινήσουμε την ορθοπραξία μα. Α, τι θα φορέσει δηλαδή. Ε, θα φορέσουμε κάποια ρούχα, θα τα δει τώρα. Μην 
είναι πολύ ήρη στιγμή αυτή για τους δωδεκαθίστες, οπότε πρέπει να μιλάμε χαμηλόφωνα. Έχουν κάνει ήδη τις σπονδές τους, έχουν προσφέρει γάλα, μέλι και διάφορα άλλα υγρά πάνω σε κάτι πέτρες, που μάλλον είναι ο βωμός. Είδαμε και τους ύμνους τους να τους λένε έτσι πολύ ένταση. Κόσμιο το σύμπαν, ουρανών ή δε θάλασσαν, ή δε αυξητά, φασφόρε, κάρπι με πεάν. Και τώρα κάτι ψέλνουν. Φαίνονται όλοι πάντως πολύ συγκινημένοι και ο κόσμος κάνει απόλυτη ησυχία. Πραγματική κατάνοιξη. Βοηθάει και η φύση πάρα πολύ. Εγώ πάντως που τους γνώρισα, έστω και για λίγα 24 ώρα, κατάλαβα ότι είναι απλώς κανονικοί άνθρωποι που πιστεύουν σε μια θρησκεία. Όπως και να έχει, πολλοί από εμάς ίσως δεν θα μπαίναμε καν στη διαδικασία να αναρωτηθούμε ή να αμφισβητήσουμε όσα εκείνη, φοβούμενοι μη μας κάψει ο Θεός ή και ο Δίας. Yeah, who didn't act any different than sinful man. And so you put all this together in the days that we live in, and including the pantheon attitude, the polytheistic mindset, we can worship all God. Do you think when a man appears on the world scene and says, worship me as a God, these people or anybody else also involved in this kind of a mindset is going to object? They're probably going to be excited. Because they're going to say, oh, the gods have come before. You know, it's, just, it's crazy. All this mindset, all this rise of neo-paganism and witchcraft, along with, unfortunately, the Catholic Church's behavior, is preparing people uh, for the mindset needed for the Antichrist to do his dirty deeds. And we're seeing it happen today. Lord willing, next time we'll move on to the next culture, and that is Roman witchcraft as well. Okay? No wonder the people getting saved were burning stuff in the early church because it was rampant there too. So, Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy, and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, 
you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even his name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I'm a thief, I'm a blasphemer, I'm an adulterer, I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven right and we've actually seen this work in real life uh, for instance uh, there's been people who have committed crimes gone to court the gavel's been passed the judges said hey listen we all know you're guilty uh, you even admit you're guilty and uh, for your crimes you're going to not just jail you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty and did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row, it's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. 
But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave, and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.